0: welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, you'll hear a different woman share her story of God's transforming love. And these stories are recorded in a live setting at weekly local gatherings where we're aiming to build community through sharing, connecting, and encouraging one another. And most importantly, these stories reveal the faithfulness of God and how He can take what's ordinary and broken and exchange it for extraordinary and redeemed. Today you'll hear from Tracy, who found herself facing an unexpected health crisis a few years ago. Her surgery, recovery, and all that's followed opened her eyes to see God in new ways, and she has become increasingly aware, especially in the last couple of months, of how God is present in all circumstances. As she began noticing all the specific and personal ways that God reveals Himself, her commitment and response to Him has significantly changed. If having a relationship with Jesus is new to you, or you just feel like you're in a rut and spending time with Him, or opening your Bible seems more like routine or a chore, I encourage you to listen to Tracy's story. Here she is.
1: So I think I told some of the people around here it's kind of like what I feel like right now is um, kind of like Sharpe. I don't know why I'm crying already. <laughs> <laughs> Sharpay and, and you know that time I don't know if you've seen it where she goes anyway I feel like I need to do that just to kind of get my nerves out but um I really appreciate being here I've got my color-coded notes and um which is quite hysterical so um I'm just going to try not to read but I've kept this so that I can keep on track because I know that I ramble a lot, so I definitely want to stay where I need to be. But anyway, um, I teach fitness every single day, and a lot of people, which is making me feel good, are in my classes that are in here. So I'm going to kind of treat this like body flow. And I'm going to breathe, and I'm going to stay on focus and stay on target and just kind of be grounded because I definitely want you guys to get the most out of this from me, from my heart, from God. And I think that he is telling me what to say and how to say it so that um, we stay on focus and you guys get what you need out of this. And I get what I need out of it too. So anyway, number one, I'm going to cry. So just... I brought my own tissues because I know I'm going to cry. I cried everything. I think I've cried to Robin like every time I've seen her. So she probably thinks I'm nuts, but I cried everything and it's just going to happen today. This is very personal to me. This is very, um, something that is so personal is going to just open up the floodgates. So just know that I will cry. Um, basically, like Robin said months ago, I sent an Instagram message um, about wanting to share my story and um, never heard back from them. So I was kind of like, oh, okay. Well, maybe they don't really want to hear my story, but whatever. So I just kind of let it go. Um, And then the contest came up and I won these wonderful books, second stories. And um, I think Dawn emailed me or messaged me back. and She was like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. This is a God thing. Um, We were just talking about you. And has to be. So months later, and I still kind of thought, well, Maybe they just really don't want to listen to me. So um months later went by and then I saw Robin several times and she was correct. Cried every single time. And um one day when I was having a crazy work day, nutty life day, whatever, she said she sent me an email and she said, We're ready, we're ready to hear your story. Um I'm gonna send you some dates and I want you just to choose a couple dates, whatever, or just a couple, just choose one date and um let me know. So the three dates that she sent me, one was today. And today is my birthday. And so, sorry, it's a perfect day to share as today is my birthday and a perfect day to share to you, um, what God has, how he has impacted my life and just a chance for me to celebrate. And, um, side note, this is way out of my comfort zone and I'm a very, very personal person, um, with, with Christ. Um, I am not one to share, not one to pray out loud. So this is huge for me and i really, really appreciate y'all letting me be here. (laughs) See, there we go. All right. So basically what I want to do is I want to talk to you about how a good relationship is always a work in progress and it's a continued journey. Mine is not great. Mine is not perfect. He is perfect, but mine is still a work in progress. How our experiences and connections are tools that God uses so that he can get our attention and guide us on our path called life. So, a little bit of background about myself. I was born in Florida in 1970, so you figure out the math, how old I am today. Um, I moved to Georgia, and I was Catholic raised, Catholic school. Running joke with my kids, or really actually just for Graham, is um, when I start getting preachy, they're like, "Mm, yeah, mom, you made a C in religion. That just does not work. So so yes, I made a C in religion in like fifth grade. And so to say that I am not um, a verse person um, is a complete understatement. My relationship with God has always been... On Saturday or Sunday, um, and I pray at night. Mom was amazing. And I know right now that she's so proud of me. Sorry. And my dad is amazing as well. He goes to church every Sunday. He delivers communion. He does all that kind of good stuff. And they're a very Christian family. I know he came in and blessed me at night, and I know they said prayers for me, but they were never real open with... Prayers and with Christ, we just went to church and went to spaghetti supper and did the stuff that we were supposed to do as good Catholics. So, if anybody is a Catholic, they know what I'm talking about. Um, So, my family, like I said, was just on Sunday, Christmas, and Easter. So, when I went to college in Georgia, I went to three big colleges in Georgia, so I spent a lot of time in college. Um, I cannot even remember going to church. I never even joined a Christian coalition or anything like that. I think I just had a little too much fun in college, and um, my focus was more on the social aspect and um, sort of making good grades. So after college, I remember just one time going with my now husband, and that was it. So we met in Atlanta, and we moved here after we got married. And I think it was two. 2002. Um, I'm looking around the room and I see the lovely ladies that I met um, because I started a supper club. So that's my, um, I don't know, that was my thing, wanting to be with them. And I'm looking right at a couple of them. Um, and we started with our kids. So they're a big part of my story as well. I have three kids, Graham, who's four, 14. He's in ninth grade at Vestavia. Eliza, who's 13 and Chambers, who is six. I could spend hours talking about Chambers um, in my story, but I'm just going to talk a little bit so that people um, that are listening to this might understand where um, she makes an impact in my life and everyone else out there that all my friends um, in my community sorry Um, so she was gifted to us from God for sure now I know that in um, 2012 and for those of you that don't know she has down syndrome Um, I just want to briefly talk about her diagnosis because the day that I found out her diagnosis is tomorrow so that's another kind of weird connection Um, and it was when Kathleen is over there dressing her Mercedes marathon stuff so it was um, on the Mercedes marathon weekend um, and I was the it's this whole huge connection. I was the chairperson of the Mercedes marathon for the service guild, which is a a club here that, um, helps with the bell center, which is, um, an early intervention where chambers and um, eventually went. Um, so it was scary. And if I know now, then what I know now, if I knew then what I know now, all the grieving and the worry would not have even existed. She is truly an example of heaven here on earth. She has, she never ceases to amaze me. And everyone that she meets has has come into contact with her immediately is better for knowing her. She she has my heart and soul is just, and again, it's an understatement. And, I, and I'm looking at Shannon right now, and I do remember one time Shannon telling me, I have never seen you happier. You smile all the time when you talk about her. No, I'm not smiling. I'm crying. <laughs> but she is amazing. She fills my heart. And I never have problems with anybody wanting to hang out with her or whatever because she's just chambers. Um, So this is probably the beginning of the shift of my um, gratefulness and my connection with God. And he just, something that he did to nudge me closer, he knew what he was doing. Um, but I just didn't know it. I mean, I was, at the time, 41. I was pregnant, and I was scared. And I was not understanding how this could possibly have happened. But, well, I know what happened. <laughs> Sorry, my mother in law sitting right there. I was getting um, the evil eye from my doctor while Ingram was getting his fist bumps, saying, yeah, man, you still have it. <laughs> so, um, yes, that I was terrified but giving birth to that child seriously was like winning the lottery um, and God truly knew what he was doing so I just wanted to kind of touch on that just so that you guys know where we're coming from with the chambers and how she was a little bit of our story not a bunch but so before the turning point my adult life I had been pretty positive person I've always been a positive person engaging with God how I was raised church when we can pray when I think about it I volunteered I volunteered I still volunteer. I clean house sometimes. I work out and I'm healthy. Dinner on the table. um, Chick-fil-A, really, on the table because (laughs) I can't cook. So um, it's not my strong suit. And then I come by by naturally by not cooking because my mom, and this is, I don't even know why I'm telling you all this, but um, when I was growing up, she had an, and I remember this, an orange, like uh, piece of wood over the stovetop. And all she did was cook from the microwave. So I can look back on her and go, Hey, thank you. Because now I know how to throw a hot pocket in there. I mean, I'm and some frozen um, pancakes. So, and those are what my kids eat. So anyway, um, my connection with my friends has always been positive, but I was internally always worried about the next thing, what team my son would make or why my daughter didn't get asked to this or for that matter, why I didn't get asked to that. Um I would always think about how my child would do in this child or that, and I know that's so hard to get to put it into God's hand, but I'm starting to realize that that's what we do. But I know that their plan is always created, and letting stress and anxiety come over me wherever I am, it affects me, and it affects everyone and everything around me, but I just didn't know that. I focus on things that don't really matter and and taking the focus off what God wants me to see, even when it was right out there in front of me. So my relationship with my husband is like any marriage. It's hard. When I didn't disconnected with God, I disconnected with Him. But I didn't realize that that was my disconnect. And sometimes I still don't. Kids at the time, now remember this, they were in 5th grade, 3rd grade, and they're 2. And she was 2. So they still respected us. And they don't anymore. And they still thought we were just completely amazing. Um, when they don't anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I used to think that God was just in church. But the reality, I re- recently realized was that he is everywhere and he speaks to us in all sorts of ways through words, through our friends, through our situations. But until recently, and I mean recently, I didn't realize that or I didn't see it at all had um, just thought of it as incidents or coincidence, not little God winks, as I have learned that they are. So my turning point. Now, this is kind of the meat of my story. And y'all bear with me. A lot of this is foggy because I was not even alert or around for most of this. But um, as many of you know, um, Thanksgiving 2014, we were getting ready to head to Marion to go eat with my in-laws. Um, I started feeling very, very sick. Um, and i was like, so sick, you couldn't even I can't even describe it. But at that point, I thought it was just a stomach bug because um, my kids had had it that week. But I started getting so dizzy that I had to lay down on the floor and I couldn't even lift my head. Um, Not one to call the doctor. I'm not one to, you know, instantly say, oh, I need to go to Summit or wherever. But I knew something just wasn't right. So Ingram called 911. They talked him through some things. And then two minutes later, they were there because it's right by my house. So we thought that this was just an inner ear or dehydration. But um, we just didn't really think much of it and they asked me, they picked me up and asked me if I could walk down the hall and I walked to the stretcher and of course, I was completely mortified. So I pulled the sheet over my head while I was laying on the stretcher and he kindly reminded me what a person on a stretcher with a sheet pulled over their head looks like and I instantly, like we were joking the whole time because we just didn't think anything of it. So anyway, so we went to the first hospital and um, we got some fluids, fluids and I began to feel fabulous and so Ingram took the kids to lunch Lunch, and the only place that was really open was McDonald's. Um, and while they were gone, um, he gave me that simple eye test, you know, where they run the their finger across your eyes, and apparently my eyes were all over the place. And so they sent me to a CAT scan and brought me back. And I was just hanging out. I think I was texting on my phone. And Ingram they called Ingram and said, "Come back and leave the kids at the nurses' station, and they would be fine." And I was like, "What in the world?" So he came back. We were just there, and all of a sudden, and like they just pulled the scan up. And this is what I do remember that it was just us three or yeah, us and then the the doctor and then the scan. And all you could see was my back of my brain and a big, huge mass. And his words were, Hey, you've got a mass on the back of your skull. And we were like, "What? what, what are you talking about? And at this point we had no idea what that meant. Our fears were all over the place. But, and this is amazing for me, I did not cry. I did not cry. I did not cry. I did not cry. I believe I don't I don't know why I didn't cry, but I was just like, "Oh, okay. I don't know what you're talking about, but okay." Um at that point, I believe the kids were picked up. They were taken to someone's house for lunch. Um and our whole focus shifted. Um we didn't realize, but right then God took over. He enlisted our friends that sat Ingram down and told him that they have this. My parent, my parents, my kids apparently had um, Thanksgiving dinner with um, the Bresslers and um, the Evans and the Bresslers and each person made sure that all we had to do was be in that hospital and figure this out. I remember, um, gosh, and I'm so sorry for this. I remember posting and it comes up every single year on Facebook, a cryptic post of my legs. Mm-hmm. Like I'm lying there in the bed and you can see the sheet over my feet and and um, I was in the hospital bed, and I was just like prayers needed. And mm, yeah, I apologize for that because those are the worst posts in the world. And. Um, but I really, in my heart, I had no idea. I was like, okay, something's going on. And I remember all my friends telling me, like, one of my friends was in Georgia, and she didn't get any service. So one of the another person called her, and they're like, what is going on with Tracy? And she was like, what? What are you talking about? I mean, like, no one knew, and I didn't say anything. And then I think I read down on the, the post, and I was like, oh, it's okay. It's just a mass at the base of my skull. <laughs> What? Just a tumor? It's okay. Um, but we didn't know that. So, fast forward after the MRI, um, the neurologist came in and he was precious. He was like, Good news. If you have a brain tumor, this is the kind that you want. Um, and I'm like, All right, whatever. What does this mean? So, it was a meningioma brain tumor. And it's benign. And it had been in, I don't think this hospital knew how long it had been in there, but it would been in there for 10 or 15 years. So, um, they didn't know if it was calcified, they didn't know if it was just easy to remove. They had no idea, but we knew that surgery was where um, where we needed to, to to go. We knew that, and they they were road mapping the surgery. I had a procedure called an angiogram, and I remember they took me out in the midst of the Georgia Georgia Tech game, and I'm a big Georgia fan, and I was like, are you, are you serious?" And so I remember them going out saying, "Can you hurry because it's almost the end of the game?" And they were like, "Oh my gosh!" So anyway. Um, Anyway, um, so um, sorry. Um, so the process of determining what was best for our care right then and there was where Ingram and I had to kind of sit down and say, okay, where do we need to be? What do we need to do? We we emailed or, or called. Um, it was Chambers cardiologist, which this is a kind of a connection and a, um, a, a thing in itself. But he ended up being. Um, he ended up being ingram's boss at the time was um he was doing a, a, a um building a new site on in Camp in bethany village and so um and this is and this is another thing his that that place in Camp McDowell is um, for children with special needs or adults with special needs so that was kind of thrown into us when we found out about Chambers so it was just a really cool connection but this guy was our cardiologist was his boss's roommate in college so that was just kind of a hey neat connection right there and so our we had to determine what was best for our care and we were so lucky and let me say this to be in a city with such amazing resources but we knew that we needed to move we moved to a different hospital um, to be with a team of doctors that had done the surgery many many times so we arrived and a team greeted us with a plan of action surgery was set for 12-1 and when I say they greeted us it was like the a team they walked in they knew what they were doing Do you do I mean and it was good for me because I'm a pretty big planner um, and they knew exactly what had happened so I remember um the risks that um Dr. Guthrie told us that it could affect my hearing but I thought, eh, that's okay. I can just turn my head and and if I don't hear my kids, I can just say that that's what it was." <laughs> um it can affect my eyesight, well obviously I need glasses now. Um my balance, I could practice more yoga so that could help me and my memory. I forget things all the time anyway, so that's not anything that would be um would be noticeable. Um and then paralysis of my smile. You know, was my ability to smile. And I don't know why that was such a huge thing for me is not to smile is just such a big deal. And I feel like smiling when you meet people, that's just a great way to meet first impressions. So that was a huge thing. Obviously, I'm so glad that it did not affect that. But that was a huge fear anyway. But my doctor could not believe that I hadn't had any complications before and that this was my first episode. But in hindsight, the dizziness like within my inversions in body flow, I now think back and I'm like, oh, that's what that was or I had to get off the bike when I was teaching RPM one time and I got in trouble for it and now I'm like "Mm, guess what I had a tumor. So I, I had every right to get off that. So anyway, um, but um, so th- so those now I look back on it, that's what that was. Um, so anyway, so we stayed in ICU for a while, went well, out for a while, for a couple days, um, while um, due to where the tumor was until the night before surgery. And y'all, the night before surgery was amazing. Um, I um, had, and I don't remember what the orderly's name was. Shannon, maybe you can help me. Do you remember? Yeah. Yes. he came in and all my beautiful friends, yeah, I can't remember, but he, she came in, they all came in. I mean, I don't even remember who all was there, but they made me laugh, they made me feel calm, they, um... They made me feel like I could do this and everything was going to be fine. It was just amazing. And they just put me at ease. So surgery morning, um, all I can think about was my hair. I remember being very, very concerned that they wouldn't shave my head. And even when I was on the meds, I totally remember telling the lady, okay, now, now how are you going to sh- do my hair? How are you going to shave my hair? And I was so nervous about that, but off I went and there Ingram sat in the surgery rating room. So Ingram said it was like a camera on speed dial setting. The place started packed with people and they filled in and filled, filled out or filed out until he was the last one. And and he had lots of visitors all day. So he was not alone. I don't know who was there, but he said people came, brought him food. And I mean, it was just like he he had someone there with him every minute of the day um, until he was the last person wondering what had happened. Um, But then he finally um, he was there all alone. And I'm sure he was scared, and he was concerned, so my surgery was fifteen hours, and it was all on this side or the right side of oh gosh, I need that on the right side of my brain, and um, I was lying on my left side for fifteen hours, so you can imagine what that does to your body because um, sometimes I feel like when you're sitting like on your feet or whatever your legs fall asleep so <laughs> my whole body (laughs) fell asleep basically. Um, but I was in recovery after 15 hours and Ingram was beside me. Surgery went well. It removed most of the tumor except for a little piece that was, um, in a difficult spot. And that was the spot that was in a place where it would cause the paralysis, cause the issues. And so he was like, I'm not touching it. And I had gamma knife surgery, Months later. So, but fast forward 48 hours, I had a lot of swelling. I um, had some post op complications from such a long surgery, and a lot is foggy because at that point I was re intubated. And I only know the details because of the words my husband wrote from Caring Bridge. Y'all, these words were amazing. And I go back and I look and I read them every single year to remind me how we were feeling and how how we felt and how we were if that makes sense where we were at this state and how good prayer was it i'm blown away i still read it and um how just to remind me where where i was so i want to read a little excerpt from what ingram if you haven't read my caring bridge you really should because it's a really good read so this is um not about me but it's really good from him i mean it's just really good he's amazing so for all of you that know tracy You know how tough she is. She's tough as nails. She has a sense of determination that I can only wish to have. Well, today, she is relying on those traits each and every minute as she breathes. As I watch her concentrate on each and every breath she takes today, I'm in admiration of her courage and her determination. While the surgery yesterday was a success, it was a very long procedure, and as a result of it today, she is having a challenging day in recovery. She's experiencing extreme swelling in her tongue, which is highly discomforting, and she is having a lot of and not she's not having a lot of pain in her head at the moment from the surgery, but she is struggling to breathe, swallow saliva, and to communicate. Her faith and trust in the Lord is unwavering, and she knows that He will heal her, but right now she is concentrating minute by minute just to breathe until the swelling subsides. I apologize for being so blunt about this update, but this is the environment we are in. Please continue to lift her up and pray that God continues to place His hand on all those who are private, providing care in her recovery and have mercy. Upon her as she overcomes this adversity. Stay tuned. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Mostly, most sincerely, Ingram. So, I mean, he just took over my caring bridge and just, it was amazing. I mean, it's really so, so thankful that I can look back and see those words, those comments from 25,000 people um, who some I haven't seen or heard from in 30 years. Um, the amazement, amazement of God's protection began with faith and friends and community. So fast forward to 12-7. So I woke up, and I remember looking up, you know, in the hospital room, they have those little um, whiteboards, and I remember looking up and saying 12-7, and I was like, wait a minute. I mean, I still was intimated, so I couldn't talk. But I remember thinking and um, thinking, where did my December go? Um, I was still intubated and I still had swelling, so I still had could not have visitors. He wouldn't let even my mom in, um, when she came, but I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. So he was apparently though, winning the awards with the nurses for being the best husband. He wouldn't leave my side and he stayed with me the entire time. And even when they had shift breaks, they would let him sit behind the curtain and just kind of plug his ears so that they wouldn't, he wouldn't hear like anything that was out in the hallway of other patients. Um, because my anxiety would soar through the roof and I would get worked up and he just, I wouldn't let him, I wouldn't let him leave. I mean, But they they said it was fine for him to stay. So we finally went to visit last year in that room so I could see where I was, and what it was like, and I know have no idea in my mind how he did not go crazy in there. It was so small, and it was scary. The things that he saw, the th- sounds that he heard, I was sed- sedated, which was good, but he experienced every single bit of it. Um, I was a mild patient compared to others who were clinging to their lives. A couple of things that I do remember that were amazing works of God, so so this is really neat my my um NICU nurse Molly standing over me at my bed and she looked down and she was like hey i'm Molly and i totally remember her sweet face she said i come to your body pump class <laughs> and i was like okay um and i think at the time i was writing on a whiteboard or um and i and i said my written response was um so silly um on the whiteboard and i just um, started snapping to Ingram because I wanted to talk to her and he did not like that at all um, and so they gave me a whiteboard and my response was um, how's my sub So, and she was like really um, but only God could put her Yeah, only God could put her in there as my nurse because she. they just handed her the file and she was my nurse and it was comforting and just so amazing so the next thing I do remember is I remember seeing my mom and my uncle at the ICU window. Um, I remember her white sweater. I remember her black pants. Ingram wouldn't allow her in, but that was the last time I was able to see her not on life support. She died two weeks after I got home. But again, she would be so proud that I'm doing this. I remember sound of the helicopters. Apparently my room was right under the helicopter pad. And so now every time I hear a helicopter, I kind of get a little bit of anxiety, but I know that someone hopefully is getting um, the care that they need, but that was, I mean, it was constant. I constantly heard that, and I, I remember that. So, and this is funny. I remember a doctor who looked like the character from Scandal, and he was really cute. And that show was, but that was, that was my show at the time. So I remember his presence being so comforting. <laughs> and to let me know that I wouldn't miss a beat. So I wouldn't miss a beat with the show. So his swelling finally subsided, and they took a chance to remove the tube. And when I finally was breathing on my own, they moved me out, out of ICU. I was so anxious. I had my friend Alicia spend the night with me so Ingram could finally go home and be with our kids. I couldn't be alone. It was very, very nerve-wracking. But I was breathing, and I was alive, and at this point in my life, I was like, God is good. So I went through general hospital PT OT to get home and it was hard and every time that I stood I was filled with anxiety and I feel like I even passed out from an anxiety attack because I just couldn't shake the fact that I was not in control. And I didn't realize that I could just hand it over. I could just give it to him. So finally, I was walking. I was standing upright, and it was time to go home. And I do remember Dr. Guthrie sitting on the end of my bed. And anybody that knows me knows I love to work out. So he said, promise me just for at least a month, you will not work out. You will not do anything. Your balance is going to be compromised, and you need to build your strength. And I was like, sure, okay." And then they set me free to go home. And so we left. We drove slow. Like, when you have a newborn baby, in the back of your car. We drove that slow. Um, we finally made it home. And y'all, this is where our faith and our community came in. And I could see everything that I had been missing um, when I was out. So we drove up and engine number one, the guys that are right up here, um, was at my house. My balloons were in my yard. There were balloons in the yard. My signs were filled in the yard. Y- filled in the yard. Neighborhood kids, they were all over the place greeting me. And um, I just knew right there that faith in God was amazing. Um, so while I was gone, everything was taken care of. My kids, my the food. Um, I think we had two take-me-home sign-ups, right? Do we have and the, and people were fighting over over sending me food. I'm like, what? So apparently they were like there were little tiffs on Facebook about who was going to send me food. My husband was taken care of. I mean, I think I had people um, buying presents for Chambers. My whole little Down syndrome community. I had friends that decorated my house for Christmas. Um, it was just amazing. They they took control from day one, um, and it was just so heartwarming to see um, see that support. My in-laws they were there i think y'all were there for the two weeks
0: yeah
1: oh okay well there you go (laughs) yay um and remember i remember but remember my kids were young so they were good now you would be like oh gosh Uh, my first night home we had dinner a friend kathleen stayed with us to help us with the kids and i remember her reading i don't know if it was to me or if it was chambers in the bed i have no idea but um we even had my my friend um Noelle, she gave me a bath. I mean, she is is she a physical therapist, physical or occupational? So she moved everything so that when I walked with my little walker that I wouldn't trip and fall. But she gave me a bath, and I did have a bathing suit on. But she washed my hair, and that was, like, the most amazing thing ever. Um, So when I was focusing on my hair... Before surgery, my hair had been on top of my head for two weeks. And I remember Eliza just kind of looking at me going, you have to wear your hair like that for the rest of your life. And I'm like, no. But they just shaved right here where my scar was. And because my hair is so thick, it was awesome that they just they just it just it came over. Like you would never even know that I'd had brain surgery. Um, so that was my daughter's reaction. And we, were, we all laughed and giggled about that. So I had a visitor every minute of the day. Um, I think people signed up to watch me. Um, but it ended up being something that I craved. Like, I couldn't wait to have the next person come over. I loved their stories. I loved eating ice cream. My friend Nan would bring me ice cream from um, Brewster's and I would mix it with peanut butter because I was, and I don't know, I should have probably say this I lost so much weight because I wasn't eating um, just through the uh, feeding tube. And, um, if anybody saw me then, it was hilarious. Um, I was like a little old lady with little fragile, frail legs. But um, having my friends there, it made it was so much so good for my healing. So, like I said, we had food for months, and um, you know, multiple signups and people argued, and we had people sending us notes, gift cards, prayers, and people that I didn't even know, or people that I hadn't even seen in thirty plus years. So prayer was unreal, and like I said earlier, I had twenty five thousand people on my. Karen bridge praying for me and making comments every single day. My kids were amazing. Eliza at the time, remember she was, um, I guess eight maybe. And she was my constant companion. She was my little nurse. And, um, It was was amazing. Graham, was he was a boy, so he was just Graham. Um, But Chambers was standoffish at first, which really just killed my heart. But I think it was because she was so spoiled with all the people that had taken her and, um, like, given her anything that she wanted that she was just like, ooh, mom's back. Routine (laughs) is back. So I never knew that you could feel that good. And a verse that was sent to me many times, um, and if you get a card today, it's on one side of it. It's Isaiah 41.10. And it's, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And it is so true. It was one that I just kind of put on my screensaver for my phone, my computer. I just had to remind me every time that He was good. It got me through. It helped me stay calm and it helped me feel the goodness of, of my God, of our God. And the situation got me thinking that if you can feel this good in the darkest hour, if you did this prayer thing, all the time, imagine how your heart and your home and your life would develop. I remember, and this is very, very tr- true. I remember one anxious, anxious night due to the steroids and due to just being up with anxiety. I tried to find something on TV and I passed a couple channels and I found this station that played praise music and clips of verses, and it just, it just, came in this state of peace, and just amazed me. Um, But I have yet to find that station again, and believe me, I have looked. So I noticed what he could do, and it was good. So I started noticing what good could come out of it. As I get closer to him, I get closer to others. My children's children's, my children begin to behave, and they communicate a little bit more with me. They love me more. My husband does things to help, and he's a little bit more affectionate. (laughs) (laughs) you're laughing (laughs) and it just the work becomes easier um, when I sit there and we listen to prayer and um, listen to our what is it the God what is it that we listen to I don't even know what it is. Anyway, but it's good. Um, cultivating a relationship with God just helps my relationships with life. It's what I've been missing for 48 years. Well, oh, 49. Well, I found it, so I'm 49 today. Mm. So prayer was constant, and for a while it was constant. And then we get into our old habits, and I still have to remind myself, whoa, to listen and pray for Him everywhere I look. Every morning, I crave it. I I pray with him now. I do 15, 15, five minutes of praise music, five minutes of scripture and five minutes of prayer. And it is something I, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm missing, I'm missing it. It's almost like I I, I just crave it. It's something that makes my day. It's my time with him and I love it. And if I miss it, I can totally tell my day doesn't go as smooth. There's always something missing. So I've developed this relationship with him. And it's hard, just like every relationship. It has taken me time. I'm not perfect at all. No, but he is. And I have grown to know that these are the things that I've recently realized. And I mean, recent by I did the 21 days of prayer. Um, and I'm just like, wait a minute, this is awesome. Look how good I feel, and I have just realized this, and this is just this past January, okay? So it's been four short years that this has happened, um, and four years has not been constant. I have to be intentional, and I have to direct it and make it my priority. And when I find that, when I look for God in everything, and I can hear Him and I can see Him, and and so I'm going to list a couple things that I feel like God talks to me: um, a red bird every day in my yard, to remind me of my mom. Or a friend taking a bath, and this is my friend Nan. She was taking a bath, and she listened to Ave Maria, and she was like, I'm gonna give this poor thing a try. So she prayed for the first time, and she got a call, I kid you not, two minutes later, that I could breathe again on my own, that they removed the tube. Or my husband reading to me my comments, and He read to me every comment that everybody made, and this one lady um, must have said something every single day because that was one of the first things that I wrote down was her name, and she's out of town, so she couldn't be here today. But it was my first words or my first written down comment, and um, he was just like, whoa, she— how did you know that? So um, that was really, really cool. Um, or recently, and this is kind of cool. We just got a puppy. And so the puppy was running away and just being kind of nuts. And I was like, gosh, come back here right now. And he went down to the man cave. I do not go to the man cave, it's disgusting. And I don't go down there. So I know I don't go down there. So he comes back, do, 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 running back. And he had my pray first bracelet in his mouth. And I hadn't been able to find it in months. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm kind of looking around going, okay, you, you're funny, God. <laughs> so, um, so he had that in his mouth and just like, here you are. And so I'm wearing it. Um, okay, so this is kind of a neat, like way, way back thing, a little God wink. Um, the band at our wedding, the manager's name was Tracy Ingram. And so my name's Tracy, his name's Ingram. So I'm like, okay, so we're meant to be. <laughs> Um, and then the house that we bought, so this is kind of neat. And this is where our connection comes in. The house that we bought, Robin had a contract on it. And so I just think that that's really cool. And that's just something, how God put me and you yeah. together. So, um, so that was neat. Um, so just we were destined to be together and our paths were crossed. Yes, and Publix is our meeting place. So I'm um, volunteering for the Bell Center and then becoming a parent, finding out that my doctor, one of my doctors during the 2014, t- t- 2015, had triplets. And they're, um, they were God children to Betty Bell, who was the founder of the Bell Center. So, and those triplets were also on the website cover of Bethany Village. So it's just kind of a God put him in our, our, our place for just that reason. And um, that was the new addition that my husband built. So going back and looking at my timeline of life, And seeing every coincidence is not a coincidence. It's just a nudge that God gives me to wake up and see how he is speaking to us. And I could list hundreds of things that I can look back on now and say, oh, that was what he was doing. But all of these things calls us that God calls us, and I'm just now 49, first time I've said it today, saying it yes for the first time at 49. Okay, I can do this realizing that He may not speak to us in words, but we can hear that He is everywhere. And He truly, truly is. So we're writing this story and reflecting, writing my story and reflecting. I um, searched for the perfect verse to describe what I was thinking and feeling so that you guys would know. And it comes up as Proverbs. I found Proverbs Proverbs 3, 6. Listen for God's voice in everything that you do and everywhere you go. He is the one that will keep you on track. And he does. He keeps us on track and he keeps our relationship, keeping a relationship with him and knowing that we all have to put him first. So, four years later, my relationship has been like waves going up and down in the ocean. I still am trying to figure out how to work hard and put him first because it's really hard. I start every day, like I say, with praise music, prayer, and scripture. And so, this is so out of my comfort zone because I've never was raised to do that. I never was raised to do that. And um, until recently, and and I say in January, this is when I started doing this. um, But when I do it, my day is calm. My mornings are smooth. I walk and I listen and I, and I, I know that he's with us. I know that I can find him by filling my mind and my heart with him every day. And I talk about him a little bit more open than I'm used to because he has become more natural in my life. And it is a great feeling. So I remember years ago, praying individual for a mom that passed away here, being totally scared to say what I felt and just to pray in this circle with these women. But I, today I think that I would be the first one to go. I would jump at it. I would pray. Um, I do this because I see how good it is, and I can't wait to sit and be with Him. And I crave it, and I desire it. And I keep saying that over and over again. And now I see every day what I need to do. Water and feed my soul like a plant so that my relationship grows. And I realize that God has me. He's got control. And He will take me and take everyone and guide me on this path called life.
0: I don't know if that was Thanks for tuning in for Tracy's story. And one of the things that she highlighted so well is just the power of community and the importance of it, especially when you're going through something really difficult and challenging. And during her surgery and recovery and even after with friends and family and neighbors and even people she didn't know. Praying for them and taking care of the kids and just meeting the needs of their family. All of those things convey to Tracy God's presence and how He was able to help walk them through that through everything that the community was doing. That is just such a powerful way that God does meet our needs. And I love that she recognized that. So I just want to encourage all of us to find ways that we can reach out and um, be committed to loving each other through the really difficult times, sometimes the messy, hard times, and then also being there to celebrate with each other. I think community is a gift from God that we don't recognize and celebrate enough. So we are so thankful that you tuned in you can always get more information about Storytellers Live on our website which is storytellerslive.org and uh, once you're on the website you can sign up for our weekly newsletter we just send out one email a week you can follow us on social media to find out who the next speakers are in our different cities and as always we'd love to hear from you if you want to reach out and our contact information is on there And if you feel led to leave a review or rating on iTunes, that always helps to continue putting the podcast out in front of um, new eyes and new ears. We are so grateful to all of our listeners and we hope that you'll join us again soon.